you're interested in leadership and you want to lead as your most authentic self, this is the podcast for you. This is a show that breaks down the concept that leadership is complicated. Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's not. I believe that it's an exchange of energy between two people. I want to create conversations for emerging and experienced leaders to come together and discover a new way to lead from the inside out. You already have everything that you need to be an exceptional leader. What we will uncover is the power of human connection and understanding how we are hardwired to seek out a true sense of belonging. So come join me. Let's create a community of leaders that are ready to challenge the status quo and who value human connections more than bottom lines. Hi everyone, it's Michelle. I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to another episode of Lead From Within. I thought it might be fun today to do a bit of a different episode. I was asked several months ago to participate in an online summit as a speaker, and I wanted to pick a topic that shows us that leadership can show up in a variety of different ways and sometimes obscure ways. So the topic that I spoke on was how my dog shows me how to show up as a leader. And I thought that I would share that with you today. For those of you who have been listening since the beginning, you will probably recall hearing this story. It's one of the very first episodes that I recorded, which is my leadership journey. And that's how I started um, this speech. So if you've already heard this before, you can fast forward probably the first two minutes of the speech. I hope you enjoy. So how has my dog taught me how to show up as a leader? Well, I want to start at the beginning and tell you a little bit about my experience when I was an emerging leader so that you can understand that what I'm about to talk about comes from personal experience and a lot of trial and error. I believe that we've made leadership more complicated than it needs to be. It's simply an exchange of energy between two people. Leadership starts with self-awareness, understanding how and why we hold space for others in the way we do, and leading with curiosity and humility. My experience as a healthcare leadership development consultant and coach is that the majority of people have had exposure to many leadership styles. However, very few have been taught how to be a heart-centered leader that values emotions, recognizes the power of words and actions, and who understands the basics of healthy human connections more than bottom lines. Throughout my career, I've researched countless leadership models and styles and created the person-centered leadership approach. After realizing that there was a need for leaders to focus on themselves, and on the individual needs of those we serve, who is our people. And I want to let you in on a little secret. There was a time when I'd given up hope that my work life would improve. In 2006, I became the general manager at a 152-bed long-term care home. This was not my first leadership role. However, it was my first time being completely responsible for the day-to-day operations. And initially, the job was great. All the employees were friendly, the residents were happy, But within four to six months, I began to feel a shift in the attitudes of the care team. They were less engaged and more critical despite my efforts to have inclusive meetings and employee appreciation events. And I also worked as a nurse when we were short-staffed. I knew now that the honeymoon period was over. So I arrived to work one morning, barely getting my coat off when our administrative assistant came to my office with a look on her face that told me something was wrong. She informed me that our health authority was sending over a licensing officer to investigate a complaint. And when I asked her for more details, she was reluctant to tell me until I insisted, at which time she informed me that a nurse had accused me of asking her to cover up the death of a resident. And in that moment, I felt the blood drain from my body and went into a full body internal panic. I knew it wasn't true and I was worried that my employer would not give me the benefit of the doubt. I had only been there for less than six months and they were under the impression that the care home was doing well. 
Following a full-day investigation that clearly determined that the allegations were untrue, the nurse, when confronted by licensing, stated she didn't like the changes that I was making and thought that if I got fired, everything would go back to the way it was. And this is when I learned that this was a learned behavior and that I was the fifth general manager in six years. After this incident, there were days when I had panic attacks, driving to work knowing that I was ill-prepared to lead a dysfunctional team, feeling like I had no idea what I was doing and that I had not been set up to succeed. And more importantly, I was exhausted, and I didn't have the support or understanding of senior leaders. There was nobody taking care of me so that I could care for others. And when I tell this story, it still evokes emotions that make me feel anxious and unsafe, ashamed, and like I'm a failure. I've personally experienced the psychological damage as a result of continuous workplace dysfunction, ineffective communication, and the feeling that things will just never get better. And I saw this pattern of how leaders were hired in my sector continue. Most organizations hire people like me who had the hard skills that produced the desired outcomes, which were low vacancies, low turnover, fantastic resident satisfaction surveys. The thing is, is that when you hire people in this way, you end up with managers and not leaders. They understand their job and the jobs of the people that report to them, but they may have no idea how to lead people. And they're too busy focusing on bottom lines. It's no wonder why so many leaders feel overwhelmed, disempowered, and disengaged. So, after years of feeling frustrated that I wasn't leading in my most authentic way, I found myself waiting for the industry to come up with a solution to solve the issue of high employee turnover and the lack of new employees entering the workforce. And it was during this time when I'd given up existing leadership models because I felt that I was spending my day managing employees and I was in a perpetual cycle of fixing problems already in crisis mode and never really coming up with solutions. And I was still exhausted. In healthcare, we use the term person-centered care. It's a philosophy that ensures that the unique needs of clients are being met by knowing their preferences. And I found myself asking the question, why do we apply this model to clients but not to employees? Why aren't we creating opportunities to get to know our employees better to ensure that their individual needs are being fulfilled? We have years of evidence-based research that validates these approaches are effective with clients, so why don't we use this knowledge rather than continuously trying to reinvent the wheel? So I've been applying these approaches for years, and I've often become known as the fixer by previous employers who had tasked me with supporting teams that were struggling. And I learned that by making small but powerful shifts in how I engage with people, it made a monumental impact on how I lead. The greatest impact, however, has been in the way I see people around me leading. When you know how to support and encourage individuals by creating trust and connection, it just brings out the best in everyone. So this leads me to my topic of how my dog Indy taught me how to show up as a leader. And it never fails to amaze me how examples of leadership show up in life in the most unexpected places. My husband Mark and I rescued Indy and our other dog Pepper from the streets of Taiwan about six and a half years ago. We think he was probably about four months old when we brought him home. He's a typical Taiwanese street dog called a Formalsen Mountain Dog. He looks like a baby deer, but sounds like a German Shepherd. He was destined to be sold into the meat markets, and in his short lifetime had already endured much abuse and suffering. We will never fully know all the traumas he suffered, however we do know that he's still afraid of the dark from being locked in a kennel for days at a time. He's fearful of men. Louder sudden noises leaves the garbage can and you can probably see where I'm going with this. He's pretty much afraid of most things in the world and still thinks that it's his job to protect me from everything. Indy struggles emotionally every day. His struggles cause more stress and conflict. 
and also causes more reactivity and challenges for our other dog, Pepper, who has now learned maladaptive behavior from him. There's research that identifies that dogs do in fact possess emotional intelligence. It is certainly not to the capacity of a human, however, they do have the ability to express and understand the emotions of others. What I learned in my interactions with Indy is that the more self-aware I was and open to exploring my own emotions when he was being difficult, and the more I was willing to recognize how I was feeling in those moments, the more capable I became in articulating my thoughts with direct communication that he could understand, and in doing so, I was always more successful in helping him when he was in a triggered state. I was able to be more empathetic and hold space for him. I'm Indy's person. He doesn't like strangers in our home and can take a long time to warm up to new people. This past summer, we had friends visit so that we could have a COVID-safe barbecue for the first time in two years, and they had never been to our home before, so I was giving them a bit of a tour, and Indy was very nervously following me around as we went from room to room. And I thought this was really unusual because being in close proximity to people he doesn't know is extremely scary and stressful for him. So I acknowledged his presence, gave him reassuring pets, and tried to keep calm energy. By the time we all headed back to the kitchen, he was going up to our friends and being curious and looking at them for attention. It was in this moment when I made the first connection to his reaction to my energy, making him feel safe and secure. What I realized is that I'm his leader. He needed me to feel safe and protected and reassured and acknowledge that this change was okay and that I had his back. And by doing so, it allowed him to let his guard down and see that nobody was going to hurt him and that this change could be a positive experience. As leaders, this is the same thing we should be doing to ensure we're creating healthy and safe workplaces where everyone feels valued, seen, heard, and safe. So let's break this down. Because I want to give you tangible things that you can implement in your life starting today. So the first thing he does is he wags his tail. Every day when I come home from work, I get greeted from Indy like it's the beach scene from Chariots of Fire. He's so happy in that moment to hear my voice where it's a strong one-on-one connection of me validating his presence, hearing his yelps of excitement, and thanking him for the licks and headbutts. The leadership lesson here is that People you lead should be thrilled to see you walk in a room because they know you're there to support them. The next time you walk in a room of people or team that you lead, pay attention to their body language and facial expressions because if they look scared or worried to see you, you're doing something wrong. This tells you that you have not put in the time and energy to show them that your presence is to be viewed as one of support and encouragement. So the next thing Indy does is he lives in the moment. Now, research says that the average dog has about one to three minute attention span, and he enjoys whatever good is happening for him in that moment. He's not thinking about what might happen five minutes from now or what happened five minutes ago. He's enjoying now, fully present in the moment and open to whatever experience will happen. So the leadership lesson is being present is a skill that can be hard to develop. It requires you to remain authentic to show vulnerability and remain consistent with your core values. When you live in the right now, you aren't overthinking what was or what might be. You take action on what you're able to change and only focus on the next right step. The mindset of being present brings out the collective best from everyone else. They feel your energy, that you value the time that you have together and feel more connected when they see that you are right there with them 
not thinking about what you're going to make for dinner or checking your phone. The most valuable gift you can give to others is your time and energy. And the most valuable lesson is that the most valuable gift someone can give to you is their time and energy. So the third thing Indy does is that he only sees the best in me. He doesn't care what kind of day I've had. All he knows is that I'm his mom and for that reason alone, I deserve to be treated like I'm the only human on the planet that his greeting makes me feel that I'm so special. We have an unconditional relationship. He doesn't see the differences in us, only how we best serve each other. So the leadership lesson here is that when you're able to find the commonalities in people before seeing the things that are different and develop a healthy interest in learning about others' experiences, you make people feel seen, heard, and valued. People feel special when you always offer them the benefit of the doubt, when you create relationships founded on respect, where you seek out the opportunity to give and expect nothing back in return. This is one of the fastest ways to build trust. So the fourth thing Indy does is that he protects me. He has my back. Indy feels that the world is full of danger. He has my back because he knows that I have his. We have mutual trust. When we are out walking, you would think that I have the most vicious dog if you saw him react to strangers and other dogs. And to an outsider, he's likely perceived to be an aggressive dog that hasn't been trained and is out of control. At home, when he's not stressed and the world is less scary, he displays no aggression. He's not aggressive. He's scared. So the leadership lesson here is that we know that people don't behave well when they don't feel safe and protected. The fastest way to build trust and make people feel safe is when they look after their people before you look after your own needs. As Simon Sinek has said, leaders go first and they take the risk before anyone else does. We call them leaders because they will choose to sacrifice so that their people may gain. And when they do, the natural response is that our people will sacrifice for us. Why? Because they know you would do the same thing for them. So the fifth thing is, is that Indy has trauma. He's experienced a lot of it. And he's likely going to carry this trauma for the rest of his life. He has triggers. The dark, traffic, loud noises, men he doesn't know, and he often has nightmares. And he doesn't often show up as the best version of himself when he's in a state of fight or flight. And he doesn't make it easy to excuse this behavior when I have to apologize to strangers when he lunges and growls at them. And when I receive glares and stares that I'm an awful pet owner for not controlling my dog. So the leadership lesson here... I've taken the time to learn about Indy's past. As a leader, it's important to learn about the whole person so that we can meet people where they're at. When we know of past trauma that may show up in the workplace, we create environments that set people up for success, where they feel safe and have the supports required. So the sixth thing is, is that Indy leans on me. And some trainers will say that when a dog does this, it's a sign that they see you as a possession. And I don't always believe this is the case. When Indy does this, it's generally because he's unsure. I read his body language and he tells me by his pinned back ears and his tail between his legs that he's not feeling confident. He leans on me to pick up my energy so he can determine if it's safe. Because of his trauma, he's still learning to trust that I will never put him in a situation of danger. And in that moment, we're working together as a united team. So the leadership lesson here is that people will seek you out to get the assurance and clarity when they are feeling unsecure or unsafe. They're looking to pick up on your body language and your energy that will either tell them that everything is okay or they have cause to worry. Research has demonstrated that the most influential factor to people thriving at work is their direct supervisor. And the number one reason why people leave organizations isn't for more money. 
They're trying to escape bad leadership that makes them feel unseen, unheard, devalued, and unsafe. They're looking to be part of something bigger in their work. Our brains are hardwired to connect. Communication that involves how people feel, connection through core values, begins the process of meaningful connections and strong relationships. This allows people to support others to thrive and to be the most complete version of themselves when at work. So here's a few takeaways and actions that you can start implementing today. If you want to get people excited to see you enter a room, these daily actions will create stronger connections that will make you feel more connected with the people you leave. So get out of your office every day and be seen. Find out what really matters to people. What is going well in their day? What can you do to help make their day better? Let someone teach you something. Take action on what you're able to do from the feedback you've received. The second is approach every situation with a growth mindset. This means that you believe that hard work, strategy, and learning from others will develop skills and talents. The third is stop using the words but, should, and try. These three words convey a dismissive tone when you use them in conversation and can make people feel often disregarded. For example, I love your thoughts around phase two of the project, but I think we need to talk about it a bit more. The word but negates the compliment that came before it. Just take the word but out altogether. Say, I love your thoughts around phase two of the project. I think we should talk a little bit more about it. Should also leaves people with the feeling that their way of doing things isn't good enough. For example, you did a great job getting a lot of work done on this project today. I think you should aim for a faster completion date. And finally, the word try indicates that you are already expecting to fail. The fourth is approach every situation with humility, ask questions, and listen. This is an extension of number one. Every interaction with humility and an eagerness only to listen and learn from the person. And finally, express a small gesture of kindness to someone every day. This is demonstrating compassion and gratitude for what you have, which builds empathy for others. So I wanted to finish today by thanking Indy for showing me that leading with vulnerability, empathy, and generosity is how I can hold space for others to thrive. I'm so glad that I get to be your person. So thank you for joining another episode of Lead From Within. I hope you enjoyed my speech and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead From Within podcast. For more information on leadership, employee engagement, and self-care, you can follow me on Instagram, Curis Consulting. Curis is spelt C-U-R-I-S. So that's Curis underscore consulting. Click on the link tree link at the top of my bio for a free discovery call with me and to get some free downloads. You can also join the Lead From Within Facebook group, or you can visit my website at www.curisconsulting.ca. If you feel inspired to, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in and see you in the next episode.